you stand please with me as we jump right into the word here? I want to thank you all for being here. Today, God, it is Father's Day, and we thank you for fathers, and that most of all, you are our Heavenly Father. We honor you today, and we thank you that life begins with you and ends with you. And today, we thank you for the wonderful service thus far, and we pray that as our hearts have been prepared, that you will now allow us to hear the word of God. We honor you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I told Sister Ruby she had cut her hand. I asked her was she trying to add it to the uh, whatever she was cooking. She cut her finger. Um, special sauce. <laughs> so, asked her what she made and avoid whatever she made. <laughs> Sister Ruby, you okay? <laughs> cut her finger. Eight stitches. The knee wasn't enough. Now you're trying to get new fingers. <laughs> They, 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 had a, they had a show back in the day called The Six Million Dollar Man. And they came up with a, a sidekick, the bionic woman. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Florence said, that's wrong. That's wrong. <laughs> I can do that too. I'm members. I can just have fun with them. <laughs> in your Bibles, turn with me, please, to the book of Genesis. Won't be before you too long, but I do have a word that's different. Well, it's not different from the Word of God, but it's not a traditional Father's Day message. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. I'm going to read them and give them to you as I go. This is what it says in Genesis 1, 26. You can follow along on the board if you have your Bible, 126. I'll be using the reading from the ESV, the English, English Standard Version. Then God said, let us make man in our image. After our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Turn to chapter 2 of Genesis, verses 7 through 9. Genesis 2, verses 7 through 9, and this is how it reads. Then the Lord, God, formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. And the Lord, God, planted a garden in Eden in the east. And there he put the man whom he had formed. Out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Turn over to chapter 3 of Genesis. Genesis chapter 3, verse 19 says this. Genesis three nineteen, By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken For you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Verse 23, right there in Genesis 3, verse 23. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. Turn over to the book of Job. 
book of Job is right before Psalm, Psalms, and I'm going to go to Job chapter 19. Job 19, verses 25 through 27. Job 19, 25 through 27. This is how it reads. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself. And my eyes shall behold, and not another, my heart faints within me. As a title, you saw as you came up the parking lot on the board, when life and death cross paths. When life and death cross paths. The challenge for any man is to stand at the crossroads of life and make a decision. That's a challenge for any man. The question is what decision will a father make when life and death cross paths? It was God who was a father to Adam who took space in scripture to describe the design of man and what lie before him. Choices must be seriously considered when life and death intersect with one another. Fathers need to present to their children that which will lead to life. Fathers have a tremendous responsibility and obligation to give life and to teach life and present life to their children. Point number one. Writing them down. God has life within himself. Genesis 2-7. God has life within himself. Fathers need to consider where life comes from and who it is that holds the keys to life. Life is precious. God has given life and he has infilled and given life to men and to women. So we say, say men, we say mankind. He has given them the ability to procreate. He gave life and then gave them the ability to give life. The consideration that the Godhead gave to making mankind in his image did not begin when it was penned in scripture, but God in the forethought in, in, his, in his mind way before the earth began had planned man into the picture. It's recorded for us in scripture, but that's not when it began. Isn't it wonderful that God has in his mind that which is good and he planned man into the picture? partnered with man, gave life to man, and right in the garden, put a, at the crossroads, <laughs> he put right at the path, life and death. The expression that God put forth regarding mankind set into motion, that which had been planned long before your parents thought of you. 
Even before they came together that night. Whenever you have come, he said, oh, I was special. The Lord had already planned you into being. My dad said, it wasn't an oops, uh uh-oh. No, God planned you here. You were in his design from the beginning. And he placed man in a very strategic position and a place to be an influence in the life of children or of individuals that surround them. It was from the ground, that area of life that man would be required to work. God took man right from the dust. People think they're all special. You are dirt. Come right from the dirt. Here you go, sweeping the pipe. <laughs> no point, no need to, to cough. You're from dirt. Just breathe it on in. Just breathe in that life. If your house is dusty, no need. Just kick it up into the air and breathe it. Embrace the dust. Because that's where you're going back to. Man lay spiritually dead. In the beginning, right in the dust, lay spiritually dead until something happened. It required God's breath. God gave breath to man. God help us. Do you not know that God himself came and breathed into the nostrils of man the breath of life? How special is that? That the creator, the eternal God, came down and breathed into man life. What is it about man that God has taken such notice? What is the value that God has placed on mankind that he would come himself and breathe life into him? I think today many people cheapen life. By not recognizing that the almighty eternal God breathed life into you. A lump of clay. Life is a gift. Life is a tremendous gift from God. God has life within himself. Did you know that? And he can just give it out and it doesn't lessen who God is. He has life. He is life. God has life within himself. And he freely gave life to that lump of clay. Point two. Life and death are inside the garden. Life and death are inside the garden, men. There are two trees that cross paths inside the garden that fathers will need to be aware of. One tree gives life and one tree leads to death. They intersect. You often in life come to a crossroad and there you stand trying to decide which direction you're going to take. Both trees cross paths and they require a decision to be made and for you to pass down 
You see, the Lord has given the unique responsibility for fathers to pass on to their children what God gave to mankind. You see, it was God the Father who gave life to man and gave a warning along with the life that he gave. Do you not know that the Lord does not move trouble out of your way? He places it right in the midst. Notice the the strategic positioning of the trees. Now, you will note the Bible says that in that garden, there are various types of trees, pleasing to the eye and good for food. And it is in that garden that the Lord put right in the midst two trees. And with these trees that God placed there, he gave a warning about one of those trees. Now, isn't it fascinating that when the Lord placed all the trees, all the fruit, things that were pleasing to the eyes and everything that one could eat, only one restriction was given. Think about it. Everything good Everything possible, everything that one could see and go like, oh, wow. You know, when you look on your computer screen, they have now these various pictures, and you can click on, do you like what you see? And you have the, obli- and you have the, the privilege of clicking, I like what I see. And what they will do, they'll send you some more pictures after some time once that one is gone. Since she said, and they'll say, thank you for the feedback. And there you look at your screen and say, oh, that is so beautiful. A screen. A picture. Looks really good. But you are not there. It is a picture. God placed Adam in the garden and he placed all the beauty within the garden. Everything that he could want or desire. Right there. One restriction. That tree is a problem. Not because the fruit was poisoned. But because God says, leave it alone. Why is it that we seem to go after the very thing that God says, leave alone? There's a study in psychology with kids. Brother Jerry has done this with his kids. Poor children. (laughs) Place something that they really like right on the table and tell them, now you can't touch it until a certain time or everything you can have but that one thing you can't have. And then the proctor or the person leaves the room and there they are with cameras watching and all the things the kid does and looking and <laughs> looking at the door back at the very thing they can't have. Touch it. What is it about humanity that wants the very thing that God says, leave it alone? No, not good for you. If you do this, this is what happens. One of the wonderful things about God, one of the great things that I love is that 
Not only does he say, don't do this, but he gives oftentimes a reason why. He will tell you, don't do this because. And that's what he told Adam. Don't do it. And Adam had a responsibility to pass that along to his children. Don't do what the Lord says not to do. Two trees in the garden at the crossroads. Life and death were right there in the garden. God did not move it out of the way. Do you not know that God requires you to make decisions? He's not going to force you to get saved. He tells you consequences, but the Lord does not make you get saved. He prompts you. He nudges you. He encourages you. He calls some difficulties into your life. He allows you to have warnings. But he gives you the privilege to be able to say, Lord, with the will that you have given me and the drawing that you are doing, I embrace your plan and say yes to what you have already done and what you've given. There's life and death in the garden. Now, everything for life in the garden and the safety is also in the garden. There was safety in the garden. You know, there's, there's danger outside the garden. The Lord placed safety within the garden, but there was also danger within the garden. But it was the best place for Adam to be. Many people get into trouble when they stray the boundaries that have been set. Trouble comes when the boundaries have been bypassed. Your children oftentimes get into trouble when they do not follow the boundaries that you put into place. You tell them, I want you to walk on the sidewalk. But they want to walk in the street. Say, no, there's danger in the street. If there is a sidewalk, use it. And if you have to get into the street for a moment, just do it as long, just as quickly as you can to get back to the place of safety. You tell your children what they need to have because when they're not in your presence, you want them to be safe. If children are never taught by their parents and their fathers, specifically on Father's Day, if they're not taught, what happens when they're out, they are outside of your presence? What happens when you can't see them? You want to be able to instruct them so that they follow what you say. Right in the midst of the garden is life and death and they cross paths. One has to make a decision right at that juncture. Do you not know that it is right at the point of danger that you often have to make a decision? It's often not when you are far away from the problem, but it's often when you are right there facing the problem that you must make a decision. You want to be able to have some answers prior to getting there. You want to be able to have some resolve. You want to be able to draw back on something that you've been taught. But if you've never been taught anything, you are likely to make a wrong decision. Fathers have a responsibility I'm saddened today that many fathers have not been there for their children in the long run. I'm I'm saddened that that fathers have not been there and to, to be able to give them help at the crossroads. 
when they've been navigating difficulties. Thank God for mothers, grandparents, aunts and uncles, and for fathers who have stepped up. It should not be a rare thing to have fathers involved. It should be natural. It should be um, um, a little bit on the outside. It should not be the norm when grandparents have to raise grandchildren. It should be parents. But God has placed still people in place to be able to say, we can substitute. Even sometimes when there's been tragedy, the Lord will provide a means to provide help. Fathers have a unique responsibility. Why is there such an attack on fathers? Because the enemy knows that there has been a blessing bestowed upon the fathers. We sometimes hear people say that there are too many choices. And they, what, begin to narrow the choices. Sometimes they ah, just, just tell me what I need to do. Narrow the choices. When you've got all these choices, it, my, my mind can't comprehend. It's too much. And what do you do? You began to select out. You began to move certain things out of the way so you can narrow the choice. What did God do? He put two trees right in the midst. He narrowed your choices and said, that tree, don't bother. Don't eat from that tree. You didn't have to go around guessing, now wait a minute, what tree was it? Should we tie a ribbon around it? No, it's in the middle of the garden. You know where the danger lies. Avoid, avoid. The good father, God outlines the danger of going the wrong way. Fathers cannot always give in to the emotional ups and downs of their children. They must stand firm and say, no, this is not good. So the answer remains no. No, 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 please no, it's not good for you to have it. Sometimes you have to give pain. You have to instill and to invoke. Why? Because you are helping and hoping that they can avoid problems down the road. You want them to have narrow, um, you want them to be able to answer things and to have narrow choices that will point them in the right direction. God narrowed the choices for them. Let me quickly move on. Outside the safety zone. Genesis three nineteen and 23. Outside the safety zone. The father had to be very vigilant to do what God said and to keep watch because danger would be lurking. You see, there are people that's out to, in, to harm you and out to inflict pain. There's, there's those that are out to trouble you, and you have to be careful. The Lord told Adam and said, do not eat of the tree because the day you eat of it, you will die. And the Lord said to them, don't do it. It was the good father who had pl- a plan in place. It was a good father who told them right in the midst of the problem, hey, stay away, don't do it. But the moment they did, they had to be excluded from that which was in the garden to that which was outside the garden. You see, outside the garden is fallow ground, there's trouble, there's heartaches, there's many problems. You see, you can control the environment within the garden. you got certain things come up, you can handle the difficulties. But when you're outside the garden, you look around and say, it's too much for me to handle. 
And the Lord put them on the outside of the garden. There's trouble in the garden, but it's manageable. There's safety in the garden. There's provision and protection in the garden. But when one disobeys, they have to be put out. And that's what happened in Adam and Eve. They were put out of the garden and placed in danger. Not because they didn't know, but because they chose at the crossroads that which was not life. Fathers, you should know that they are, there are people that are watching you and your children and that you have a responsibility to teach them and to give them life. Being put outside of the garden was a reminder of the choice that one failed to honor. It reminded them what they didn't do. When you get into trouble, it is a reminder of what something of something that came before. It also guaranteed that the ground that provided for life and happiness would now will result in tears and pain. With life comes blessing. When God breathed into the breath, into Adam and Eve, or to Adam, the breath of life, there was rejoicing. When sin came and the curse, there came pain and tears. So when we are born, we have life, we honor God. But when life is taken, there's tears and pain. The same dirt, the same ground that brought joy and happiness on the inside, that produced, that gave life to the plants, that allowed you to be able to flourish, that same ground became a curse. The same ground that God took you from and blessed you and molded you and breathed into your nostrils the breath of life. That same ground you would now return to through death. But oh, Job says, I know my Redeemer lives. And I'm going to see him for myself. There's hope in that. Even though there's pain and there was a curse, God has always provided the remedy. Isn't it always wonderful when your parents had a backup plan when you messed up? When he says, nope, that's the only plan I got. No, they had a backup plan. Just in case you got in trouble. God has a backup plan for you. I say backup, it was still from the beginning. But it was his plan that when they blew it and they couldn't get back, God says, I've got it covered. My Redeemer lives. Fathers, you need to know God has partnered with you, given you life, and told you you're at the crossroads. There's a path here that you need to follow. Teach it to your children that they may live. Lord, we honor you today, and we thank you for your righteousness. We thank you for this Father's Day. We thank you right now that you have Blessed fathers with such an important role that when our fathers have passed on and we continue on, we are to pass on the legacy and to help children and our family and the young ones and people we have uh, contact with to choose life. 
When they get to the crossroads and they stand there puzzled, they can remember that it is better to choose life than death. Thank you right now for your provisions. We love you in Jesus' name. Sister Florence and the women, God bless you.